0: Welcome, darling, to the Mystical Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Rose, astrologist, conscious parenting advocate, light code keeper, self care lover, creatrix of the Mystical Mama community, and a Mystical Mama to be. If you're tuning in today, you're probably like me, seeking ways to grow and help reparent and nurture yourself while you're caring for your family. Here on the Mystical Mama Podcast, you'll receive conscious raising conversations on the motherhood journey astrology, self-care, holistic healing and spirituality so much more. All of that so you can feel inspired to nurture you and your family's multidimensionality. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hey, hey loves, welcome back to the Mystical Mama podcast. So, Today, we are beginning a interesting series called the Chakra and Body Image Series, so that we can ignite and awaken our intuition, and reclaim our power to address and heal whatever is blocking our relationship with body image, food, fitness, ultimately self-love, right? This is actually an audio program course that I created in 2015. I couldn't find the recordings for you so I'm, I am found all my old notes so I'm bringing them back because there has been a definitely a theme I've seen is people working through body image stuff again and or a big resurgence in my community about these things. And it kind of makes sense when you if you go back and listen to the North and South Node episode, the shift that went into Taurus and Scorpio. And if you want to listen to the whole episode, become a Mystical Mama member, side note. And ultimately, one of the big collective themes with the North Node now being in Taurus is embodiment work, self love, working on our uh, relationship to worthiness, to value, and how that manifests. And sometimes that manifests uh, in, wor- in how we are resourced with foods, like our relationship to foods and nourishment, and also how are we do- doing in our body, how we feel in our body and body image work. I mean, and the values that society has told us we have to have around it, uh, our own internalized worthiness wounds around our body image. So this is why I decided, okay, we're going to do our series uh, again on this. And what a perfect platform to bring it to you on is on this podcast. And so here we go. I So I made this because I had to go through Around 2015, 2014, I went through a big uh, eating disorder, uh, exercise addiction, body image stuff. I was on the path to probably needing to be hospitalized if I continued. When I, if I didn't had, if I hadn't had stopped myself in time. So I've been there where I'm stuck in the obsession and fixation with food and the fitness frenzy. Ultimately, we feel disconnected from our body and its signals. And even from the world around us, I uh, was so obsessed that it meant with messed with my mental health. I've never experienced depression like I had before. And it was really fucking up my relationships, especially with my boyfriend, um, now husband at the time. But on the outside, I... People thought I was healthier than ever. I was actually more connected to my mother than ever before because of our relationship to diet culture, like we could connect on being, quote unquote, healthy. And it was really, I It was one of my definitely my dark nights of the soul because I was like this, I don't know what to do. I'm not at the point where I need hospitalization or a doctor wouldn't think I was actually being Nothing was wrong. They'd probably just think, oh, you're being healthy and health conscious. I'm like, but something was wrong in my head and I didn't know what to call it until I actually listened to a podcast who talked about her relationship with her body image, her orthorexia, her exercise addiction. And she wasn't to the point of hospitalization, but it was still fucked up in her head. And so I'm like, okay, someone finally has named it. I There's resources out there. And there were so few back then, but now there's a lot more uh, people speaking on anti-diet, people speaking on healing your relationship to food and fitness and diet culture, to body image. So I'm so happy that there is a lot more body liberation and body neutrality happening. And I hope to provide at least another kind of resource or at least a pivot of ideas, maybe a shifting of your paradigms around body image and diet culture, but we can infuse in, um, some spirituality, which is kind of fun to use spirituality and the chakra system as our, our framework to, start to work through our negative patterns with our body and with food and fitness. And I also want to share that our experiences with food challenges or body image is not a judgment on ourselves. It's not bad. It's not bad, like it, just straight up that, that paradigm shift, like what? It's not bad that I don't like my body, that I feel weird in it or gross in it or all those terms that we've grown up to hear about it. Instead, it's think of it instead as an opportunity for you to grow, to evolve. It's a, it's a portal for us. But how do we do that? How do we learn to embody and surrender into trusting our body and trusting its wisdom? Well, when we learn to trust ourselves, our surroundings, our relationships, maybe even something bigger and greater than ourselves, That's when we start to break free from those chains of our eating and body image challenges. And I realized so when I was, one of my big pivots is that I realized I needed to become embodied in order to heal. I had to get in my body to heal, which was weird because I was so obsessed with my body, but I was obsessed with the outside and like, and the food that I put in, but not necessarily like, how does my body really feel? What is this wisdom trying to really tell me? A deep relationship in your body, the actual embodiment work. And that's what led me down the path to becoming um, an eating and psychology coach, eating and psychology coach that focused on body image and being anti-diet and helping people recover from diet culture back in 2015, 2016. And so that's when I developed this course for, or I guess, series for you. And basically we go through a seven part series through each chakra from root through head. And each chakra can help teach us and guide us about, you know, we'll learn about the the basics of the chakra point and the energy center, but then how do we apply that to body image work, to eating and food? What can it teach us and how can it help shift our paradigm? So we'll go through all seven chakras in the seven-part series, seven different podcast episodes, and you may find that one really resonates for you, or all of them do, and it'll be a really interesting experience for you to just listen and receive and see what mental, maybe even energetic shifts, happen just by listening and shifting our thoughts on and perspective on how we can address our body image stuff. So let's dive right in to the first chakra, the root chakra. And the root chakra, or AKA the Mudalahara in Sanskrit, means root support. And you guessed it, honey. Where do you think it's located? At the root of your body. So that would include the base of your spine, your tailbone, and pelvic floor. It's associated with whatever actually roots you to the ground, like physically your feet, your legs. And as far as your internal body, the root chakra is associated with the colon and the rectum, basically like elimination organs. And it's glorious, I know, but everybody got to poops, okay? And as far as the associated endocrine system, your hormones, it rules your adrenal glands. So, and adrenals are what? They pump hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. Those are survival stress hormones, right? And that's what helps and what pumps up through your body when you're in that fight, fight, freeze, or fawn response. That's called the sympathetic state. So one way to I call it sometimes is like when you're in your survival state, that's what's pumping through you. And it makes sense because the root chakra is so associated with survival primal responses. Like our, in terms of sensory system, it's our sense of smell. And smell is one of our most uh primal, I guess, uh, senses because it can go straight from our nervous system into our limbic brain, which is our most primal brain itself. Oh, there's probably a mailman. If you can hear a dog barking in the background and you can use smell to bypass, uh, cognition. So sometimes people have tough time recalling memories, but then they have a sense of, they smell something that was familiar, and that can go straight into the memory bank because it kind of overrides a lot of bypasses a lot of different neural networks because it's one of our most deeply primal uh, nervous system associations. I, I mean you you know what I mean. You could word it more scientifically and pretty, but what ifs But again, essentially root chakra, it is associated with all our most primal, animalistic, biological, mammalian survivalist responses that we've carried over from evolution. And it's also like self-preservation with that, right? So we're, it's symbolizing how we relate to our external world and respond or meet those needs concerning our survival, like eating, sleeping, exercising, uh, our family, or tribe, making a living, having a roof over your head, and simply feeling safe, feeling secure. And the root chakra is also where the primal energy or shakti in Sanskrit sleeps or resides. And it's in a yogic text. It's depicted as a snake. Kundalini is a snake coiled up at the base of your spine. And which in Kundalini in Sanskrit means coiled one. So that's where a lot of us aren't tapped into. And you maybe have heard the term like Kundalini awakening. So that's where the that primal life force energy of Shakti, or, or also Shakti is associated with our yin or feminine force, feminine energy is coiled up at the base of our spine, the root chakra. And so when we release our blockages, the shit that we've internalized and carried with us, all those narratives in this chakra and every other chakra, we let Shakti, the primal feminine force within us to awaken and rise up our spine to our highest potential self or connecting to source, whatever you want to call it. That's the Kundalini awakening. That's the serpent going up through the spine. And by the end of this series, we're, maybe you'll be enlightened as fuck. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, Maybe not. But at least we can stoke that fire of awakening, right? Of connecting to that intuitive power that resides already inside you. It just may not have been fully accessed before because of all that shit that we've been taught and experienced. Who knows? But, or at least it's starting to like kindle a little bit of like, hmm, let's question. Let's let's counteract let's counter question all those doubts and seeds of worthiness worth worthlessness and stuff like that around how we look or how we eat anyway some other things to know about the root chakra is that it's associated with the color red so red's its color therapy it's associated with the element of earth so when you want to take this into visualization techniques, you can visualize uh, qualities of the root chakra like roots and trees or the ground, the soil. Those are uh, images and imagery you can take with you that are very root chakra. And there's a saying in yoga that you have to root to rise. And that can be a great mantra to work with the root chakra as well, but we have to have deep roots. We have to have have that foundation in order to grow and become like a strong tree that can sway with the winds and storms. Astrologically, the root chakra is associated traditionally with the sign of Capricorn and Aquarius because those two constellations were traditionally ruled by the planet Saturn. Saturn is ultimately like the thematic associated planet. For the root chakra, because Saturn has those qualities of density, of needing structure, of um, there's a gravitas and a weight to Saturn and uh, in terms of like how it is like archetypally. So that's why it's associated probably traditionally with the root chakra if you wanted to take it more into the like goddess archetypes root chakra to me is very mother earth like gaia or goddesses like demeter/ceres slash Ceres, or pavrati hathor these kind of like weighty goddesses of like of the earth realm of the 3d realm that help you feel secure and are often are so some of them are often associated with like food or fertility um of agriculture, because that was such a p- big part of survival, right? Now let's talk about balances within the chakra. So you can be, people talk about, I have a block chakra, or it's really more of like an imbalance, like we're either sometimes deficient, underactive, or we're excessive, we're overactive in a chakra. And when the root chakra is overactive, you, like there's too much of the grounding qualities, you may feel really heavy, dense, sluggish, or like have hoarding patterns, addictive hoarding patterns, because there's this subconscious state of not feeling like there's enough. So I have to store up. It's a scarcity mindset, a scarcity narrative that's in our brains, basically, and nervous system. So we start to get really hyper-focused on physical resources, on the material realm to feel that sense of security. And some people instead, um, they do it a bit more energetically speaking. So they're trying to like become, they become workaholics because they have to keep working to store up, to not feel uh, unsafe, right? They have to make sure that they're always secure. So they have those workaholic patterns just to feel like they're not going to get lack of or fucked over somehow, especially financially. And when the root chakra is underactive, there's, not grounded enough, you may experience feeling fear, anxiety, restless, and resistance to structure, to discipline, and you, not a, in your body at all, like really like ungrounded kind of a person. And thus your, the, the anxiety just, the nerves just go way wacko. And what is that kind of a feeling? And these imbalanced behavior signals are something to look at, but your body might be telling you something that is going on here too. So you can always look at those behavior patterns, but your body is probably also could be speaking to you. It might be screaming at you to pay the fuck attention through physical symptoms when the root chakra is imbalanced, like with chronic constipation, bone or circulation issues, chronic random leg, foot, or tailbone aches and pains, eating disorders. Uh, those are all physical manifestations of us being imbalanced and we're not paying attention. And so sometimes the body will react instead to be like, hello, something's going on here. And what does it look like when the chakras imbalance though? You are and feel grounded. You feel self-assured and secure. You're living from the mindset of abundance and manifestation versus scarcity and survival. And balancing the first chakra also means we're going to go into places that scare us. We are sitting with it. We're breathing and feeling into our storylines and into our bodies. We're feeling our feelings completely and we're not wiggling away. We're not plotting our escape and disassociating. We have to go deep within our bodies, but then also deep within those self those very primal subconscious storylines and patterns that may be part of our human experience, but also could be stories and patterns from generations past. Now, how does this relate to body image, food, or fitness, diet, culture stuff? Right. Well, when we consciously or unconsciously feel unsafe in our environment, or mistrust our bodies, disordered eating patterns, or disordered body image stuff. Often manifests as a survival mechanism because eating is a grounding activity to help us feel connected to other people, to feel settled, to feel calm, secure. It's also an essential thing you have to do to survive in this world, in this body, is to eat, is to consume. So it kind of makes sense. If we don't feel safe or we create strategies to help us feel secure in our environments, we if we don't have those we are unable to trust and don't know how to be present in our bodies or in the world for example sometimes binge eating can be an attempt to ground out when there's high stress or to protect yourself to protect your body to protect yourself energetically or to replace proper ground other grounding techniques fuck proper just other grounding techniques cuz so we're not going to judge binge eating it's like hey this is a coping technique And this is what you're trying to just work with at the best as you can. It's not always the healthiest, especially for your body or for your mental health. But, um, hey, like one of our big steps here is to stop judging ourselves about it. It's like you're trying your best and you're coping somehow. This is – hey, you're not doing meth, I guess. Like, (laughs) I mean, in comparison to some other things that people could do, like – eating, emotionally eating, okay, that's, that's fine. It's a phase that we have to go through. And that's something I learned in my eating psychology coaching is like, t- we all go through different like food phases, especially if food is a part of your body image journey. And emotional eating isn't a bad thing. It's a necessary point in our lives. And sometimes we need it. And it's a strategy. And of, when we judge and shame it, and that's starts a big like loop cycle where we will really keep going with it versus like if we just allow ourselves that time and phase to emotionally eat, like if we're needing that grounding and then we don't judge it or shame it, it will pass and you'll move on to a different food phase, basically eating phase that's needed at that moment. So it's nothing really bad or unhealthy in my opinion, um, or not something to judge or shame. It's just, it's a phase let's see if we can start to neutralize our relationship to it versus make it a binary of bad or good or moral, I guess, because it's a way to protect yourself. And on the other side of the coin, like restrictive eating can be an attempt to avoid grounding in our physicality, uh, because sometimes it's really frightening and confining to be in the world. But sometimes we do it also just to, you know, we need to be safer by becoming less spacious and the world and culture is telling us to always be smaller, especially if you're in a femme body and what an interesting metaphor of like, if I'm physically smaller, my energy sometimes becomes smaller because I'm dimming my light. I'm dimming the space, the energetic space I take up in the world. I'm trying to uh, cave. I will cave into myself a bit. Um, if you've been in a larger body, a lot of us have had to, like on an airplane or on a train, we're sitting next to somebody. We try to squeeze ourselves so tight so that we, we cave into our bodies physically so that we don't take up space so that you won't like complain about us. Whoever's probably smaller sitting next to us, and we are taught to make ourselves smaller physically. And I mean, how does that, I mean, you have to consider, how does that translate to us in psychologically? Of course, we're going to like feel like we have to take up less space. And what's needed now is for us to actually take the space, expand our auras, expand ourselves. Sometimes that means to expand ourselves physically, especially if you've been restricting your power, restricting your eating, restricting your, nutrition be you know like sometimes our bodies need to be bigger and that's where they're happiest and most vibrant and that and that sometimes that makes it squishier and that's okay and that's good because you're finally like in a more of homeostasis with your body physically but also are you energetically allowing yourself to take up room and space again But that's can be scary because the world is telling us to be smaller or maybe we've experienced trauma where if we work like on the other side, like some people experience like being traumatized or sexually traumatized by having curves, especially if you had curves early in a femme body. And one of the like this, it's a tactic, it's a coping mechanism like, oh, if I don't have these curves I won't get that negative attention. Um, so if I just alter my physical state, if I become smaller or at least more like androgynous, it's kind of looking less fleshy, I maybe then I won't get that attention so I can hide a bit. Okay, and then I'll be safer. So see how you can use all these different, however we're relating to our body image and our food. A lot of it is a coping mechanism and sometimes it just really reroutes our brain chemistry and then that can really fuck over our mental health and our relationships. And it becomes an addiction, quite quite an addiction. Uh, Some people it's gambling, some people it's TV or or psychedelic drugs or whatever. But um, food, body image, things can definitely become our addiction too. I've been there. So let's see. What else do I want to say about our root chakra? I'm like, I take a moment to ground myself and sip my Nespresso coffee. I just got this as a baby, baby present on our registry as a new Nespresso machine. I'm, I was a foamer. I'm just like, oh, hello. Delightful. <sighs> now that I'm feeling more grounded. It's reminding me this is like why we have to practice the embodiment of grounding and seeing where in our life we can create more sense of security, of calm, so that when high stress situations come up, we have techniques to not float away to or when like the basically triggered responses of being obsessed or fixated with our body, with our food and or fitness, we can have those techniques to come back to centeredness and to balance faster. Like those inner voices of like, oh, I should eat this certain way. I should, you know, I should, I lose that weight. Oh, this is my, my belly is too, too squishy. That's bad. Those thoughts will still come up, but you will have more techniques to be like, okay, that's, that's something else. That's, that's a different voice. That's my addiction, basically talking. That's insecurity where, what techniques can I do to help me feel physically and mentally secure now in my body? Is it breath work? Is it, um, going for a walk? Things like that. You will have more things in your pocket when those thoughts or triggered responses happen because they will, but it's more like having a lot of tools in your tool belt to, help you get back into homeostasis physically, mentally, energetically faster. And we have to like lay those foundations, foundational practices to help us ground so we can, again, it's really just how do we turn down that sympathetic survival state so we can agree here to be here now and accept where we are right now, whether through the highs and lows, no more, no less. And this is our first step to, and our foundation, to help us feel still and safe and calm, and lay that foundational trust to feel safe in our body. But we've all, a lot of us, have experienced that it's not safe to be in the world. It's not safe to be in our bodies. It's not safe to be, especially in a fem body or in a fat fem body. So how can we build those trusts? even when the world is fucking us over, even when society is fucking us over, things are shifting. And it's grassroots. And I love that. Thank God. Um, so there, like, there's a lot more with fat liberation and with body neutrality and body diversity. Thank goodness. Body positivity, I will say has been taken over a lot by diet culture. So be mindful and conscious of when they're trying to, still market to you and they're like it's not a diet it's intuitive eating like are you really because sometimes like a lot of diet culture diet products will um use intuitive eating and body positivity as a mask to try to lure us in into those really triggered places in our bodies of not of worthlessness and feeling like i have to fix myself So what are some practices we can do to help us get grounded, to be more balanced in this chakra? So you can do some physical practices like of engaging this chakra point, like foot massages or walking on the ground called uh, grounding or earthing, uh, where you actually like, there's some, I can't remember, positive, negative ion exchange when you actually have bare feet on the ground, like feet on the grass. And that can help our nervous system a lot, like scientifically speaking. But also it could be practices like hiking or gardening, getting outside somehow or just connecting to Mother Earth, to nature. Also, for some of us, we need to have more grounding meals using like root vegetables, things that came from like the roots and the ground themselves. Uh, or needing higher fat or protein content if we are particularly feeling deficient in this chakra where we are needing more grounding or for example maybe I'd be on the other side if you're feeling too dense and you're feeling overactive in this chakra maybe we're needing a bit more lightness um, or taking a peek at where are what's the foods that are helping making me feel so groggy and dense that it's not not in a not in a soothing, peaceful way, but in a way that's like, I feel sleepy all the fucking time. I'm still constipated. And it might be something like refined seed oils or something like that. But um, sometimes we have to take a peek at nutrition, but sometimes overly worrying about it is what's causing that energetic density that is not helping us, that is keeping us overly weighed down. In yoga practices, in asana, you could look at leg balancing poses or squat type poses, warrior seated ones, where you're connecting to your seat, connecting to your legs. So those are all root chakra balancing ones. And some people use aromatherapy for grounding. I'm not an aromatherapist, but some uh, sm- scents you can go towards are like patchouli and sandalwood, um... Ginger is often associated with this chakra too, but I think a few others. I, and I'm not a crystal expert, but from what I've gathered in my Gemini research with crystals and chakras, basically if you find ones that are smoky, black, or red, those are ones that is, are often associated with the root chakra, like smoky quartz, um, onyx, uh, lava rock, black tourmaline, garnet, and... Um, hematite I think maybe uh basically they will that color is that they have the vibrational frequency of the root chakra of like yeah if you want to go and down that rabbit hole that there is a rabbit hole for you there's a lot more in there too so there you go <laughs> have fun on that research and if you would prefer to go down the route of like sound work and working with chants each chakra has their own seed mantra and something you chant or listen to like on Spotify, which there is a lot on Spotify and YouTube. And the bij mantra for the sound frequency of the root chakra is LUM. LUM. So you could repeat that for a few series of minutes or listen to a soundtrack with the bij mantra LUM. There's also for sound healing you, there's a each chakra is associated with its own megahertz like actual v- vibrational frequency that like the waves you know uh sometimes when I say frequency it can be so esoteric or it can be I'm talking about like the literal physics of sound and each one has their own megahertz uh frequency level so you can also do sound healing for each chakra and that can also be a way to help ground you too. Now, how do we start balancing? Those are cool practices for just grounding in general with a root chakra. But what about with body image stuff? My first tip is to work on self-regulation. Self-regulation, it's our help, basically help, how do we... Facilitate uh, on switch between our sympathetic survival state to our parasympathetic response. Parasympathetics where we rest, digest, and heal. How can we come basically create homeostasis in our nervous system? So learning those self-regulation techniques is foundational, honey. So to from what I have experienced and witnessed, pranayama breath work is the fastest easiest cheapest way to regulate yourself. you heard me do like a breath earlier it is the I that is the fastest cheapest way to honestly honest to God to self-regulate and train your nervous system and there's a lot of different breath techniques to help rewire your nervous system and brain with and uh, that's yes numero uno. Breath work with for self regulation, but also inside of that, you can also see where you need to destimulate your environment that is causing a lot of excess sympathetic triggered responses. Where in your environment, or even people and relationships, is making you feel like that fight or flight mode that's just kind of adding to the chaos? Is it because your house is chaotically messy and it's really overstimulating you? Is it the You need maybe, like, you have a roommate and they blast music and you have a very sensitive nervous system and the sound is actually making you also in a fight or flight mode. Maybe you get certain earplugs, like, I think they're called loopers. Uh, They're a type of earplug you can get, I know, on Amazon that help people with auditory, um, that you're just overly sensitive in terms of, like, your hearing. And that can get really overwhelming for your nervous system and people use it from, even childcare, where you can still hear the environment, but it's dimmed it down a lot. So you're not going to go into that fight or flight mode. So that can be practical practices for you to help yourself create that regulation for yourself. Also, I recommend to do a social media detox. Unfollow or block anybody, especially on social media, That is triggering you to feel like you have to fix your body, look a certain way, and or makes you feel bad about yourself. Take that time. Even if they're like genuinely nice people, but you're feeling triggered as fuck, take that moment for a period of time to like, I can't, I can't engage with you right now. And on the flip side of that, fill in with people of diverse bodies and backgrounds, diverse body color, diverse body size, people that are talking about anti-diet and body liberation or fat liberation, putting in more media information that is positive for you, that is contributing to your mental health and healthier body image and and feeling more liberated in your body and just witnessing all these different, uh, types of being in the physical form. Wow. Is that freeing? You're like, oh, they can do that too. They all like, even when I like bought, like, like, A body positive boudoir or something like that, where it's like you're seeing an actual range of bodies from, and, and from fats, from size and fat amount to like, uh, those that have neurodiverse, uh, backgrounds to ones with, uh, like amputees doing boudoir or just be existing and recovering from there's whatever, like probably eating disorder or, or physical thing that there's so many different stories and bodies and uh, existences that can help us feel like we're not, that we are part of an actual community, that we're not alone. And also broadens your perspective subconsciously that like, oh, I can exist in this body and be okay. It's, and it's okay. But I really recommend that detox, honey. Okay. Mhm. And so you can also fill in with um like I was mentioning with all the diverse body um content, but also you could look into uh more accounts that are like health at every size, intuitive eating. Be be conscious though some diet culture does like to appropriate intuitive eating. Um or finding podcasts that are about this stuff like uh Christy Harrison's Food Psych, if food is like particularly one of your big triggers within your body image journey. And they have a lot on that podcast about health at every size and different like actual like more scientific and psychological evidence-based things on the socio political and cultural influences of our body image and eating psychology. And finally, my final suggestion with how to ground for body image stuff is to use yin yoga as a practice. Why? Because it is such a metaphor of us learning how to relax into uncomfortable sensation. It's also great for helping facilitate that parasympathetic response in the body. We're leaning into and having to sit with stretches that can be uncomfortable, but we're learning how to support ourselves through those uncomfortable stretches and sensations we feel. But we're also learning how to muscularly relax so much that we can surrender and let go. And beware with our body is at in that exact moment and how to nurture your body in that exact moment via what propping yourself, how you need and listening to body sensations. It's a was one of my key practices for recovery, for sure, because also realizing that that physical metaphor in relationship to my, my own mental health and psychology, like, oh, wow, what a teacher here. So those are suggestions here for you to try out. And I'm going to leave you with some reflection questions that you can journal on if you'd like, or it's just something to even just have in the back of your head to ponder on. So here are the reflection prompts for you. How do you feel about your body? How did you feel about your body when you were a kid? Do you feel differently now? What events shaped your view and feelings about your body? And what beliefs did you pick up from your family? See, the root chakra, remember in the beginning how I said it was associated with family and, and tribe for survival? I feel like with this experience, going through this chakra is really going to bring up generational patterns that have been modeled about how you feel about your body, how bodies should be treated, or your relationship to food as well, or how it feels to be a body in, as a man or a woman or non binary. It's a lot of generational narratives and patterns we are working through. And it's not easy, but wow, does it really broaden your perspective and paradigm when you actually take the time to examine your what you've picked up that's not your own, that was also just like my mother's wounding and their mother's wounding or how they were responding to societal pressure and culture because they were being traumatized or harmed in some way about how they looked. And they just didn't want us to have to go through it. And it can give us more perspective on a place for forgiveness too, for ourselves and for our generations past. So we can do ancestral healing, basically. And it's dense, deep work. This is generational work. And For the mystical mama realm, like, if you are a parent or thinking of becoming a parent, holy shit. Like, we are influencing them so much on how we talk about our own bodies and how we talk about our own food or their food and how they should interact with their physicality. And one of my goals as a parent is to be – to not pass down all that shit and weight that I psychologically and generationally carried Because it was not me. It was not my own shit. Like, I was carrying on from what I've been modeled and what I've been taught, like, was good for what a good body should be. And it wasn't my own stuff. It was was societal and also generational shit. And I had to learn to forgive myself for that or at least just hold space and compassion for like, oh, that wasn't, this isn't all on my, this isn't all my shit. Okay. And I can see that this person was just, they're trying out of the goodness of their heart, but I don't, I'm choosing to not pass that down and, and be a curse breaker in this way of the way of, of one way is for body image and neutralizing our relationship to food. There's no good or bad or stop moralizing it and not moralizing my family's body sizes or fat Amounts or exercise regimes because that can really fuck a person over. And if you're listening to this, you're like, ain't fucking men. So now there's becoming more resources for us to not only to not pass this down, basically. Like, how do we talk about food in a neutral way with little tiny kids? Like, oh, you should eat that next bite. Why don't you eat your next bite? Uh, Take another bite. Or like, oh, you full? Okay. Like stuff, little, little things like that are what our training have taught our brains from the foundational root chakra level. The root chakra is associated with, uh, the zero to seven years old. This is like building the subconscious part of our brain that we are modeling off from what we see in our immediate environment with our, with our family, basically dynamic, and what we're being taught maybe through our peer group a little bit too and culture, but mainly through family and what's being modeled. So why I bring this up, whether or not you have kids, it's still important because we are modeling for the next generation. And in order to help heal the next generation and not have to and be the curse breaker, we have to do the healing ourselves first. So we don't accidentally pass down this bullshit. Of that I'm not good enough. I have to change my appearance to appease everybody. Of people pleasing through body and, or food or health related things through diet culture. Because it's not helping anybody. It's only helping some rich ass white dudes basically get richer. It's not freeing anybody. It doesn't give you that your empowerment. It takes away from your mental health, from your relationships. And it ultimately keeps our lights dimmer. And do you want to teach that to the next generation? No. We want to shine our light so fucking bright and take up all the space so we can actually make the big shifts in the world. So like if we weren't so obsessed with food and fitness or how my body looks, if you could take all that mental chatter and weight away, whoa, you'd have so much more. You have so much more space in your brain. Oh my God. You have so much more space in your brain and in your thoughts that you now have that space to follow your life's path, to follow your purpose, to actually make more shifts in the world that are needed. And that there's, so you can, so we can actually make the impact in the shifts we really want in this world for environmentalism, for access to resources, for access for people who live in very different bodies and in neurodiverse states to for whatever you're feeling that call towards, you know, and to help make the world a better place and help our kids make the world a better place. And we all know we live in a fucked up thing right now, but how much of us are being stalled from helping the world right now because a fucking diet culture making us feel fucked over about how we look, how we should eat, how we need to be. I went on a flow state there. Okay, okay, that's a some good but also deep sh- things to feel out, to think on, and to ponder. And I'm if you have more that you want to process, connect with us inside the mystical mama community. Join there. You can also DM me, but the best space for these uh, really deep conversations that are also contained in a in a brave space where we can have that privacy and collective to work on these things is inside our mystical mama community on our mighty networks. And you can join today to also get access to all much more resources. Um, you'll access all the chakras and body image series because that's all. Half of these are not going to be out to the full public or fully to the public. They're there'll be access to the mystical mama community. You also have all our resource library of from breathwork practices to light language activations to yoga practices, uh, breathwork things. Like you have a whole resource library available at your fingertips plus a community space to like process what you're going through, to ask for help, to share your story, to share your resources too. And we can connect in these ways, whether it's about body image or other things. But this is definitely an important part of a lot of our life cycles is to re-examine our relationship to body. Um, even like in the pre and postnatal world, um, a lot of, for example, like I'm in that space where I have to be mindful to not be triggered by having a bump only pregnancy or how to re- recover faster uh, once you've had your baby, like to have your flat abs again, to not have saggy skin and not have stretch marks. Those are a lot of the narratives that are in my world in the perinatal place right now in the phase of life I'm in. And so I'm like, Oh, I, I see you diet culture. I see you trying to trigger me. And I might fall in a little bit sometimes, but then I can pull myself out and be like, that, that's not real. That's not what I want. That's not aligned. That's other things trying to pull me in That's I'm agreeing to end that curse right now. But I, I know how hard this stuff is. I've been there. I get there. I'll, I fall in too. And I hope that this can be a resource for you when those times come up for you. And ultimately, again, the root chakra. How do I be in my body? How do I ground into my body? That's like the big foundational theme, I feel like, for this part of the series. Well, that's all for now. Stay tuned for part two. We're going to examine the sacral chakra next time in this series. All right. Bye-bye now. Thank you, love, for joining me on today's episode. And if you enjoyed it, leave a rating and review or share it on your Instagram. Me at Mystical Mama Co. That way, more people can get access to more resources to nurture themselves and their families. Also, honey, did you know that you're not getting all the episodes? Join the Mystical Mama community on Mighty Networks today to receive access to all podcast episodes, plus our community and resource library that includes self care tips, meditations, light language activations, yogic recommendations, astrological deep dive, and astro courses, plus some information and resources for conscious pregnancy and parenting information all right i'll see you next time on the mystical mama podcast